our text, this, first of all, this message today, this morning, is called Generosity and the Nature of God. Say that with me. Generosity and the Nature of God. This is part number three. Let me just pause for a second. I, I am going to actually apologize. I've done it all three Sundays now because I want to say to you, if you're a guest, I apologize that we're talking about finance the first Sunday that you show up. And we do that because there's such a huge pull. I'm apologizing because on television there's such a ridiculous pull for money all the time. We usually do something about once a year with about three, three messages, a quick series, just for the purpose of helping to disciple younger converts in being able to see the blessing and the benefits of trusting God in the area of their finance. And when you begin to do that and you start to grow in your faith in that area, it is astounding the blessing of the Lord that will begin to come in your life. So this morning I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please, as we read two texts today found Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. This is our series text. We've read it all three weeks. Find a screen. Let's say it out loud. Here we go. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So we understand that. God shows us, literally, uh, Dr. Billy Graham said, you want to show me where your treasure is? Let me see your calendar and your checkbook. Where are you putting your time? Where are you putting your money? That's where your treasure is. That will identify where your heart is. Okay? So second text this morning is found very, very simply. This is the one that we all know. And some of you might say, well, why would you use a different one than we're all used to quoting? And I believe that we do that for this purpose. It actually makes us stop and think about what we're saying when it's a little different than the way we had it memorized. Because you can just jump up here and go, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, by rote, and just kind of rattle it off and it not mean anything to you. But when we see it, and it's worded differently, it's like it becomes fresh. Okay, so read this with me. Read it out loud heartily. Here we go. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through Him. Let's pray. Gracious God, we're overwhelmed at the unlimited generosity that you've shown through Jesus Christ, your Son, toward us. While we were yet sinners, you died for us, Jesus, and we're thankful. Thank you, Father, that you, you paid and you gave the absolutely indescribable gift to us. Thanks be to God. We acknowledge today how unworthy, how much we desperately need you. God, I just say right now that I, I, can, I cannot do anything apart from you, but I'm thankful that in Christ, Lord, you supply all of my need. Lord, that you give me the ability to do all things that you've called me to do, all things in Christ, through Christ. God, we just ask you today to open our ears and our eyes and our hearts, give us perception and understanding, the ability, Lord, to take the seed of the Word of God into our souls and let it penetrate and let it begin to grow and produce fruit. We'll be careful to give you all the praise, and it's in the strong name of Jesus that we pray. And all of God's people said... Amen. You may be seated this morning together in the presence of the Lord. And I'm going to have them lower the lights one more time. Pay attention, if you would, this last video in this series. Uh. 
my name is Kevin Murphy and uh, here today to talk about uh, dollars and cents as it relates to tithing and how it's uh, personally affected my life. It makes all the sense to me. I grew up in a family that has tithed and as a young kid didn't necessarily know, you know why they were doing it. Read in the Bible, give your 10%, but uh, my parents along the way saw the benefits that I, I realized as I got older. Um, and when my wife and I got married, we took on that same then I wanted to call it a tradition because I just didn't know what it was going to do. Uh, over the years, though, thank the Lord that I did it and the sense it has made is shown in my life the whole time. Yeah, I've got a lot of personal experiences with tithing. Um, little things like the money always shows up when it needs to. Someone blesses me even when it's not financial, just out of the blue. But one specifically that my wife and I have talked about for years um, we came to church one day and we were going to write the tithing check and looking at the checkbook we realized it wasn't going to leave us with you know just a whole lot till the next payday. And I looked at her and I said let's write it anyway we'll figure it out. Uh, that was on Sunday. On Monday afternoon when I got home from work there was an insurance check refund for five dollars more than I had written on the tithers check that day that got us through the rest of the week. Definitely say tithe time as much as you can. Um, financially 10 percent is what you want to give to the Lord. Um, I've always looked at it both ways. You know, I've had years when I've been able to tithe more time uh, and years when I could tithe more money. Uh, and I've tried to keep a decent balance with that. Um, I can tell you when my wife and I first got married, it wasn't 10%, wasn't anywhere close, but we set a number and we stuck with it. And as money got better, we added to it. And we made it a building experience that we could afford and just did it faithfully every year till we got to where we could do the 10% and sometimes more. I can encourage anyone that's not tithing now to start with something. Doesn't matter the dollar amount. Do it faithfully and do it cheerfully. Um, amazed me the next Sunday there was more for me to give. When I didn't make any more money and I didn't see my bills go down, how there was just more to give that next Sunday and I was able to grow it you know, over the years from my wife and I first getting married and, and literally used to have discussions over what type of laundry detergent to buy. Uh, to being able to tithe and go home and know that we were still going to buy groceries that week and being blessed every day. The Lord never tells you he's going to send you a check back on your returns for tithing, but he does say it'll be returned to you. And uh, I can think early on in, in my working career and in my family life where it was returned back to me. And uh, sometimes it kicked you in the teeth and, and you saw it, and other times you look back months later and go, man, I missed that one, but there it was. Amen. Kevin uh, has definitely lived this message of financial peace. I think his folks gave him a copy of that little book when he graduated high school. And believe it or not, as a high school graduate, Kevin actually read it and saw a great blessing of the Lord come to his life in uh, college and uh, in his marriage with his two beautiful children. At this point, I'm going to be able to pick up on some things that he said in just a moment, but I want to go ahead and jump in. We have one thing today in this message that I really want you to grab hold of. The one thing, it's on our screen. If you would read it out loud with me, please. You cannot rightly express the nature of God apart from generosity. Say that again. You cannot rightly express the nature of God apart from generosity. Why? Because we have a principle. The principle is that the first law of love is giving. Say that with me. The first law of love is giving. It's very simple. It's found in this 
ball game placard, John 3.16. For God so loved that he what? That he gave. So the first law of love is giving. When we are lovers, we must be by virtue of that nature, be givers as well. And so today I'm going to give you four things. This is going to be a little quicker message than the others have been. Uh, when we went through this, we started with kind of a general issue we call seven holes in the money bag out of the book of Haggai, where the prophet of God spoke to the people and said, you know what, you're living in your sealed houses and the house of God is in ruins. He says, you're drinking and you're still thirsty, you're eating and you're still hungry, you're planting and harvesting little, you're working hard, and it's as if you're taking your wages and putting them in a bag filled with holes. And we talked about seven different issues that were potential holes in the money bag that, that can cause us to be having problems in our finances. Last week, we really got down to specifics and dealt with the, the debt demon. And let me just say to you that if you uh, are here today, and maybe this is the first time you're hearing this series, and you'd like to get some background on it and some good, solid Bible substantiation for what we're saying, uh, you can get these at www.victorywire.com under Media Messages, and they're free. We're not selling anything. Uh, it's there for you, or you can get it if you want to uh, upload and subscribe to the podcast on your iPod. Uh, it will upload automatically every week uh, there at Victory Church of the Mid-South on iTunes. So today, we're talking about the first law of love that's giving. And the one thing that I want you to grasp as we close this series is that there's no way that you or I, either one, can express the nature of God apart from the concept of of generosity. So today we're going to be talking about giving. It's giving in, in three areas, our time, our talent, our treasure. Say those with me, my time, my talent, my treasure. Four things that I want you to grasp if you have your notes. Our giving, first of all, should be spiritual. Everybody say spiritual. Now spiritual is not just a nice uh, African-American gospel song. That's what we call spirituals, okay? But this word spiritual from the, from the Greek word pneuma, Pneumatic, like wind, a wind-driven uh, tool. Uh, the, the Greek word pneuma or pneumatikos literally means of the Spirit, born of the Spirit. So something that is spiritual is motivated by the capital S, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. This is what Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the English Standard Version says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Present yourselves in everything that you do, everything that you are, you are giving of your time, your talent, your treasure. When we introduce our opportunity to give here at Victory at the close of the service, we're very particular to say that you're exchanging your time, 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week potentially, your talent, your skill set, your gifting, your knowledge, your abilities, your talents, you're exchanging that along with your time for this medium of money, this ability to be able to purchase services or products. And so literally when you're giving that to God, you're giving God a piece of your time, a piece of your talent. It's like giving God some of your life. So worship in our, our giving it literally is, it, it should be spiritual, it should be an act of worship. It should be saying, God, I'm giving you of myself. And this is an obedience to Romans chapter 1 where the Apostle Paul says, I'm begging you, I'm beseeching you by the mercies of God that whatever you do, you do it. And the King James says, this is your reasonable act of service. Okay? 
So this is just the reasonable thing to do. Why? Because we have a God who loved us so much that he gave everything for us. And so when we give something back to him, it should be done motivated by the Spirit. Everybody say, my giving should be spiritual. Say it. All right, listen to Colossians 3.23. The Bible says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Can you imagine what work would be like? Wherever your work is, if it's out in the field, if it's in the cubicle, if it's on the road, if it's boarding an airplane weekly, if it's meeting in the boardroom of CEOs, if it's selling, if it's buying, if it's trading, whatever you're doing, if it's standing up and teaching, if it's serving, if it's helping, responding, uh, nursing, being a doctor, teaching, uh, litigating as an attorney, whatever you're doing, if you could think about doing that, first of all, as an offering to God, can you imagine how that would affect the attitudes of everyone working at your job? Can you imagine the atmosphere that could potentially be amazingly different? I mean, it could, it could literally be that you could wake up on Monday morning and not go, oh my goodness, it's Monday again. You could wake up and go, oh, it's Monday. I get to be in this amazing place with these great people, with these awesome attitudes. Now, I, I realize that that's probably a little bit uh, fantasy, and it's a little bit utopian to think in that regard, but I truly believe that that's what the kingdom of God will be. I believe that that's what we as ambassadors, as representatives of that kingdom are supposed to be right now. I believe the church should be a colony of heaven. It should be an outpost so that we can demonstrate to the rest of the world what the coming kingdom that God is moving in gradually into this place. He is, he is not going to just blow it all up and make something totally new, but he's going to take the messed up, jacked up, broken down, captivated, all of these things and make something new out of what's already here. He says, Behold, I make all things new. He didn't say, Behold, I make all new things. He said, I make all things new. And there's a totally different perspective. Uh, there, there's a totally different worldview. If you can see that, that means that God can take the mess and the brokenness of your life and He can touch it with His presence. And, and if, if you will give it to Him, He is able to make something beautiful out of the mess in your life. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, He makes everything beautiful in its own time. How many of you know it's time for some of us to see some things beautiful in our lives? How about we begin by trusting Him and we start giving whatever we do, whatever we think, whatever we do in word or deed, we do it all to the glory of God and for the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, our giving should be, number two, systematic. Everybody say systematic. All right, I have a couple of verses of Scripture. The first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. The Apostle Paul, after writing this amazing chapter on the resurrection from the dead, I mean, you talk about heavy theological, eschatological stuff for the future, destiny in terms of the, the mortal being swallowed up by immortality and corruptible taking on incorruption and the earthly bearing the image of the heavenly. After talking and hanging us literally in the stars in chapter 15, he opens up chapter 16, and I love it because Paul goes radically practical, and he says, Beloved, concerning the collection of the saints, it's almost anticlimactic. He says, On the first day of every week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Now, let me just say this. Uh, if you're paid weekly then you ought to be giving something to God on a weekly basis. If you're paid bi-weekly, then you should think about giving something on a bi-weekly basis. 
if you're paid monthly, then you should be thinking about giving something to the Lord on a monthly basis. If you're on commission, then you bless the Lord. And I know what that is. It's feast or famine. It can be amazing seasons of great abundance. You can probably relate to what the Apostle Paul says. I have learned to be abased and I have learned to be abound. I have I've abounded in the blessing of God. I've seen the feast and I've seen the famine. And I have learned that by Him that uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's really the context of that verse that a lot of times is quoted and taken out of context entirely. He says, because of Christ, I can do both. I can be in abundance. I can be in lack. I know that regardless, He's going to take care of me. So the whole point is with this giving systematically thing is, it's just when, when you're paid, when God blesses you, then you learn to take a portion out of that and bless the Lord. Now, we are not one of these legalistic churches, these hyper-fundamentalistic churches that literally meets with all the congregants and says, bring in your tax return. We want to see if you're doing 10, literal 10%. Um, not, not, I'm not going to be a part of that. I would never be so brazen as to ask somebody to do that. I think there's some things that are between you and the Lord. And you do what you do out of obedience to the Lord. And I, I do that. And, and, and let me just say that there are weeks sometimes where things are crazy and I may not actually give a check that week, but I'll make it up in the next couple of weeks. And that's how, there are a lot of ways that you're able to do this and we do not want to become legalists about this and we don't want to make it a law that where we start to teach people to think in the idea in their head that, well, if I would tithe, God would love me. How many of you know He loves you regardless? Let's get this clear in our minds. There is nothing you can do more than you're doing right now that will make him love you any more than he already does. There is nothing that you can do right now, negatively so, that will make him love you any less than he already loves you. So this is not about, remember this is a God who begins by showing us love is about giving. And he's given generously by giving us everything in his son. Romans 8 says, He who freely delivered up His Son for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? So He will provide every need that you have. But the point is, is that when we come before the Lord, we should come, the Scripture says, don't come empty-handed, but we should give systematically. Okay. Now, I want to tell you that I believe clearly that this teaches the principle of the tithe. Let me read from from Malachi chapter 3. Listen, I'm beginning in verse 6. The Bible says, I am the Lord and I do not change. And so before I go on, let me just put that in the context of this passage. There are folks that say, well, tithing was under the law. And I just want to tell you that tithing was pre-law, was during the law, and is after the law, and is continuous. Tithing began in the garden when God said, that one tree is mine. That was the tithe right there. Leave it alone. Leviticus 27, the tithe is holy. It belongs to the Lord. Really, if, we're, if we want to tell the truth, that's why we use the phrase, I pay my tithes, because tithes are God's. They belong to Him, and really, I, I'm not really giving anything until I've given the tithe, because that's His. The tithe becomes an altar upon which I offer gifts in addition. Anything until I've really tithed personally are just misplaced tithes. If you've been around Victory, you hear us regularly say, When it comes time to worship the Lord with our giving, we say, if you're a member of another local church, your tithe belongs in that storehouse. We're careful. We teach this. We follow through. We're not trying to turn everybody upside down and shake them down. And if you think that this series is ever about increasing offerings, you've totally missed the point. 
This is about teaching you how to personally trust God in an area that we really don't like to talk about. Our money and our politics, a lot of times, are things that we don't talk about in polite company for obvious reasons. But I want to tell you, Jesus will be Lord over your life when you learn to trust Him in this area and He will blow your mind with His generosity when you learn to put your trust in Him in this area. Somebody say amen. I am the Lord and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Verse 7, He says, Ever since the days of your ancestors you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me. And I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Malachi 3.8. But you ask, what do you mean? He says, should people, they ask the question, should people cheat God? I'm sorry, God is speaking. He says, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? The, the King James says, you have robbed God. Okay, And this is the New Living Translation. It says, you have cheated me. Of the tithes and offerings due to me. Verse 9, uh, you are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. I love this. This is only one of two locations in the whole Bible where God basically says, test me. Prove me now herewith. That's what the King James says. Everybody look at, your, look at your neighbor and say, prove me. Come on. Put me to the test, the NLT says. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord's of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, I believe this with all of my heart. I believe the tithe is a literal 10%. But I just want to say to you, don't get hung up on that number. I have counseled young families who've come in, who've been recently converted to Christ, and they not sat through a series like this and understood necessarily the biblical substantiation for this concept. And they'll hear us talking about it briefly just for a second, reading a scripture at the end of every service about our act of worship and our giving. And they'll come and say, Pastor, I, I'm going to tell you, we came into this marriage doubly with debt on both sides, and we're looking up through the bottom trying to dig out of this barrel. There's no way we can give 10%. And first of all, I just want to say, I am not the hyper-fundamentalist guy that says it's either 10 or nothing. And so I tell young couples all the time, okay, that's fine. You sit down together. Remember our principle last week? Get a budget. Tithing will do one thing for you. I truly believe with all of my heart most of the problems in American families are the fact they don't have that right there, a budget. Or if they do, they may have something written down, but they don't pay any attention to it. They don't discipline themselves to live according to it and hold back a little bit and repent of this need for immediate gratification and got to have something right now and waiting until they've saved so they can pay cash for it. Or, you know, certainly nothing wrong if you can get it on 0% interest for, you know, for a period of time. I think that's fine to do that. But you start playing with multiple credit cards, and I don't want to care if, I don't want to jump back into my message last week. So many families come into that situation both bearing great burdens of debt. And so I say, I say to them, I said, look, what can you do? I said, do not be ashamed. I don't care if it's 
don't care, 2%, whatever. You set it. But I guarantee you, when you set it, when you make up your mind to set 2%, you will be challenged to see if you're going to walk in that. Because the car will break down, the water heater will burst, the kid will get sick, something's going to happen. I said, I guarantee you, something will happen to challenge to see whether or not you're going to keep that covenantal commitment. When you do that, I promise you that God has a way of bringing things in alignment to begin to bless you because when you do it, it's an act of your trusting God. When, you, when you're looking at your own checkbook and you go, I don't know how we're going to do this, but God, I trust you and, and the, the bills are paid. We don't have a whole lot to live on this week, like Kevin said, but God, we're going to put you first. And then God already had a blessing on the way that Kevin didn't even know about. And the amazing thing is that he obey, obeyed the Lord and could celebrate it when that check of extra provision that he wasn't even expecting showed up. Those kinds of things happen in my life all the time. It's been a crazy year for us. I started the year, walked in here on January the 4th on Sunday morning, the very first Sunday of the year, feeling literally, it is not an exaggeration to say, feeling like death warmed over. And I walked in looking not just pale and white but gray. And two or three medical people said, you better go back home. And I was expecting to come in and just, just share communion and call it because I was struggling just to get here. I thought I had the onset of the flu. Ended up in the hospital, hours and hours of investigation and running tests, and I had, they found out I had a pocket, an internal pocket of staph infection as a result of my prostate cancer surgery in November. And so fever spiked and went crazy high, and I'm on antibiotics rotating three big ones literally 24-7 for the next five days. And if you think this, the beginning of this year didn't hit us hard, and we've worked hard to save and have a good emergency fund. I don't just mean the minimum of $1,000, but working hard and being frugal, driving two cars that are great cars, but they've been paid for for several years. Mine's an 08 Jeep. Don's an 07 BMW. And don't let that, that, that thing sound all that ultra to you because I bought it used. And it's an amazing automobile. And the thing that I thought about both of those vehicles is the thing is they're timeless and I can drive something 10, 15 years and it, it's, I mean, a Jeep looks the same no matter what year it is. I love it. I mean, I, I get it shined up and people go, man, what is that, like a 2013? I said, no, it's an 08. Really? Are you serious? Yeah, well, yes, yeah, because they don't change the look of that thing and I'm going, praise God, you know? So that was an intentional thing on my part. Yeah, I, I could do, I could go out right now and go buy me a brand new, oh my, I can start lusting when I start, start thinking about leather seats, I can smell them. Come on, I'm a man, I'm just like you. I, 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 I mean, I, I, I don't even go near the lot because if I go near the lot, it's like I'm shark bait and here they come. Are you hearing me? And so I've made some good decisions. I could go buy a new one right now, but it would, it would literally literally just lock down my budget so that I would be every week going week to week to week just trying to make it instead of being able to save and being able to bless people, being able to bless this church the way I'm supposed to as a leader and I'm thankful to God. And so back to the young couple I've said over and over, don't get hung up on 10%. Set a number, but then be faithful to it. And you guys, let me tell you, it's happened so many times over and over in this church they would come to me in a year and go, you know what? We've gotten our finances in order. We've started to get out of debt. We're trusting God. Blessings we didn't expect have started to come through. He got a raise. She got a promotion. Refund happened here. A rebate on this. People did this for us, and we were able to do what we were trying to do and didn't cost us one 
third of what we thought it was going to, and we save money there. And all these multiple kinds of blessings start rolling in on people when they put their trust in the Lord. And they'll come to me, usually within two years, after the first year, they'll say, you know what, we're going to give God a raise. We're going from 2% to 5%. Another year rolls by and they say may, may go from 5 to 8 or maybe 5 all the way to 10. But it's just taking a step of faith. And when you start to take a step of faith, God will rush to meet you. All God ever asks you to do is do the ordinary things. He'll show up and bring the extra and make it become extraordinary. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Now, let me just say this. Don't get hung up on that arbitrary number of 10%. Start somewhere and start watching God bless you. Now, this whole idea is what we call from the Old Testament the principle of the first fruits. When we give to God first, He promises to bless all the rest. Real quickly, and I'm moving on, 90% of my income with the blessing of God on it because I've obeyed His principle will go a lot farther than 100% me holding it without the blessing of God. Are you hearing me? We're talking about 10 measly percent. And that 10% is my act of my faith toward Him, putting my trust in Him over the area of my financial life. Now, a lot of folks in this room are all about, hey, I know that when it comes time that I've been saved from hell. I've got a ticket to heaven. But the deal is, can you trust Him about the realities of your day-to-day -day life right now? It's not about do you believe in Jesus. It's about do you believe Jesus? Do you believe what he said about what he would do for you? If you give, it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men will bring the blessing of the Lord and dump it into your lap. Are you getting anything out of this? Number three, our giving should be spontaneous. Our giving should be spontaneous. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, listen, God will generously provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. See, guys, I'm talking about not just enough to meet my needs. I'm talking about when God gets in my ordinary and He makes it extraordinary, He gives me the ability to begin to demonstrate His nature of generosity where I can bless somebody else. Now, I, the only way that I can can do this is through my own testimony and I don't want to ever in any way sound like I'm bragging but I was in the grocery store line the other day and there was a young girl and her very elderly decrepit little grandmom and I'm sure this grandmom was raising this little girl who was probably about eight years old and she threw a couple of quarts of lemonade up there and some nutty buddy bars and grandmom was digging through her purse for some money to buy it and I could tell that they didn't have a lot and they were going to, you know, slide a, a card from the government. And I, I, I just, I didn't even let them know what I was doing. I just looked at the late lady who was checking and I said, put that on mine. And she just went ahead and scanned it and she said, the little girl said, no, that's mine. I said, honey, Jesus loves you. I took care of it for you. Just know the Lord bless you. And the grandmom just looked up and tear rolled down her cheek and she said, thank you, sir, for your kindness. And, you know, it was just a little bit of lemonade for a little girl and some nutty buddies. And, and I know it shouldn't be a big deal, and I'm sorry, but there have been times when God's blessed me in the line at Walmart. And so there's seasons. Last year, I, I turned around. Last year, I turned around, and I saw a mom literally hanging with children on her. And she's got a cart full of formula and diapers. And, and I, I did the same thing. I said, put that on mine. And it wasn't just... Seven or eight dollars like the little girl was, girls was this time. But God's been able to break through and bless me so that I could bless other people that were in need. And I'm thankful. 
and I want to tell you, for all the blessing that I've had, there is nothing like being able to bless somebody that's in dire need and be able to give to them. And it truly is, Acts 20, 35 said, Jesus said, it's better to give than it is to receive. And it's in those moments, let me just tell you, if you've never been here, you, you should come during Thanksgiving turkey time or come, come during new coat season, uh, kid, coats for kids in, in, in December, because... You know what, we got some folks who really shouldn't be in the line, but that's between them and God. I believe that the majority of them really are very, very needy people that we can put a, a new coat and a little kid walks out with a smile on their face and might not have gotten that uh, had we as Victory Church not been generous. Somebody say amen. He says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And I believe that God will prompt you. I don't do that every time I'm in the line. I, my budget couldn't take that. But there are times when I spontaneously give because I know that's the will of the Lord for me. And believe it or not, there are times I even respond to what I see on TV because I feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I hear the whispering voice of the Lord say, bless them. And there have been times when I've been stingy and God said to me these words. He said, you need to give it worse than they need to receive it. And I've done that to be able to break open the hardness of my heart, my, the, make it fallow ground, break up the fallow ground so that God can plant some fresh seed in it. Somebody say Amen. Proverbs 19, 17 says, If you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord, and He will repay you. How many of you know God always pays on time? Yeah. Proverbs 28, 27, Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. God, forgive me for closing my eyes in the past to people that are hurting. We are the church of the living God. We should be a hospital. We should be a place where broken people, needy people, can see some needs get met. Come on, somebody. Every kingdom citizen is always authorized to bless. You always are authorized by God to bless. And when you do, I promise you, he'll astound you with what comes back. Finally, number four, and I'm finished. Our giving should be sacrificial. Our giving should be spiritual. Our giving should be systematic. Our giving should be spontaneous. And our giving sometimes should be sacrificial. doesn't mean every Sunday that you can put your whole check in the offering. But I believe there are seasons, there are times when God may cause you to do something very unique. I want you to look with me this morning, or rather just listen as I finish. Luke chapter 21, verse 1. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. The margin says copper, pennies, minas, okay? I tell you the truth, Jesus said this poor widow has given more than all of the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything that she has. I, I, I believe that there's something here that God says. You know what? If you're a billionaire and, and you give $10 million to something, what is that really saying? Yeah, $10 million is a chunk of change for everybody in this room. But if you're a billionaire, the, the lesson of this story is, is that God's not just looking at how much you give. He's looking at how much you have left over after you've given. And if it's a sacrificial gift, it's something that's going to cost us. 
Nobody has given the sacrificial gift the way our Heavenly Father has. He gave His uniquely begotten Son. He gave the gift with the highest price and the greatest cost. Jesus says, This little woman has given everything that she has. Two little copper pennies, but yet He said she gave far more than anybody else did because she gave everything that she had. Now, every Sunday morning is not an everything kind of an offering. Um, our miracle offering that's coming up in two weeks is something that I would ask you to pray about what kind of sacrifice the Lord would have you to make. And we're talking about a sacrifice that you might give up something for a couple of weeks in order to be able to bless, to do a little extra, because this will be a big outreach that will support all these outreaches for the next year. And, and even at that, there's no pressure. We just ask you. You pray, see what the Lord says, you obey God. And that's really where it all comes down to. Nothing that we do around here is out of any kind of compulsion. We don't guilt you into it. And we don't try to motivate you by greed, saying, hey, if you give 100, God will give you 10,000 back. Pull the heavenly slot machine. Cha-ching. That's the way some of the TV preachers do it. We don't want anything to do with that. We want you to give out of grace. Give out of the awareness that God has shared generously with you and as you do what you do, by His leading, that means everybody's not the same. Okay, That means in your tithing at this point right now, you may just be starting. And you may be starting out at 2%. But trust God to provide your needs in your struggle to get finances in order, whether it's a young married person or somebody midlife and a set of circumstances have put you back in the mess you're in. Let me just say to you, let me give a little testimony and I'll end this message today. We started this year, January 4th, no deductible met on our insurance. We've got a $3,000 individual, $6,000 family deductible. Well, I want you to know those five days in the hospital definitely met. Matter of fact, this year we've already hit our stop loss in terms of everything that's come out of the pocket. And do you know, I had a friend who called who was from my, my dearest best friend from first grade. He's one of my closest buddies. And he was just concerned. He knew that I'd had the prostate cancer and had the surgery. <laughs> He was concerned about me. And he, he called and he said, Michael, give me your account number. I'm going to deposit the money to cover that, literally to cut to pay that whole, um, what's the word, deductible. To pay the $3,000 $3, deductible on you. So this is, this is not out of your pocket. And I cried and I gave him the number. <laughs> and the next day it was in the bank. And so we paid doctor's bills that we would have probably been stretched out paying for a while until the insurance would kick in and we continued to pay and been blessed this year past our 80-20 and the 20% has already jumped up past the $9,000 stop loss and so we're at the point now if we go have any issues it pays 100%. So like we're getting extra stuff done right now. <laughs> go get this checked, okay? <laughs> um, and then I'm telling you somebody walked up to me in midsummer and handed me exactly a check for $3,000. Never have I ever gotten up this year and said, I need y'all to take an offering from me. Never have I gone to our finance committee and said, I need y'all to help me out because I'm, I'm struggling trying to make sure everything gets paid and you know I can keep an emergency fund and all these kinds of things, just trying to walk it out. And somebody came to me and handed me $3,000 and said, I just want to bless you. And I had tears in my eyes. I said, I've wanted to go back to my friend and pay him back that $3,000 that he gave me at the beginning of the year. And then when I told the guy this story, he cried. And so I went to visit Preston in Knoxville. 
in uh, July, and we sat at the breakfast table, and just a couple couple buddies from first grade on, and I said, I'm, I'm going to pay you, I'm going to pay you back. I said, I've God's blessed me, and he used a four-letter word. He said, if you ever bring that up again to me in my presence, and he got, he got angry. He said, God, he said, Michael, I haven't been in church in several years, and he said, you don't know how. Your witness and your life has blessed mine. And I did that because God told me to. He said, because I hadn't been in church, I hadn't been tithing. And he said, I know God told me to give that to you. And he said, you're not going to rob me out of the blessing because God's already blessed me since I blessed you. <laughs> and so I not only had an opportunity to pay him back and him say no, but I had $3,000 go back into my emergency fund. Hey, look how good God is. Come on, somebody. Now... You, you can't possibly convince me that when you just start simply trusting God in every area of your life, in your finance, in your health, in your mental struggles and battles, and all of these things that we wrestle with on your job and decisions that you're making, it is going to absolutely astound you. This is a very simple message. Trust God, and He will show up and show out in your life. Very simply. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise.